Morning, church. I want to welcome all of you, of course, online, many of you watching online as you have been, but we also have some handfuls here in the room, which is so awesome. Some of our volunteers, as has been mentioned uh, in the announcements and the letters going out, we'll continue to do this. We're going to look forward to having more of you here registering as that um, funny video said, but all of that is what we're doing in uh, the months, weeks to come, the 23rd of August, which is just two weeks away we will be inviting um, open uh, registration. But let me say this. Um, we're, we're in the middle of the movie. We're figuring this out. We're gonna be as careful and as, uh, also as courageous as we need to be going forward. But, and we hope more of you will be doing what some in the room are doing here today um, you know, uh, in this room. But we know many of you will continue online and we are committed, so I just wanna say this, we'll continue to say it, to two tracks of ministry, we're going to continue to do the exact same uh, streaming that we're doing um, for the indefinite future. So those of you who aren't comfortable, uh, you can continue to enjoy the services as you have been over the last hundred days or so. We are in a, a series that started last week on Rooted, as that video introduced, and it's a, it's a, it's a ministry, it's an intensive small group experience, I'm borrowing the term, that we're going to launch here in September, but I'm using this series to go over the major themes of this particular ministry, uh, opportunity that's going to be a small group intensive, and last week we did the first theme, and this one is going to be the second theme, and both of them start with a question. Last week's question was, who is God? That's a pretty important question. God is not, you know, abstract. God is not generic. The God of the scriptures has a very distinct personality, a distinct outline, a distinct character. And if we want to grow in a life-changing relationship with God, with Jesus, we need to know who he is, okay? And you don't learn that in a weekend, but we need to begin to understand that God is a shape and a personality, and we need to know who he is. That's, what we, that's what's the beginning point of what it means to grow in a deeper relationship with God. And the second question that we're looking at today, which is the title of my sermon, is how does God speak to us, right? Once we begin to know who God is, maybe we enter into a relationship with Christ, a personal relationship, how does God speak to us? We're gonna look at single passage of scripture in the New Testament. Last week we were in the Old Testament. If you have a copy of the Bible, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3 of Paul's letter to his protege, Timothy, or called his son in the faith, and one of his traveling companions, his mentee, Timothy. Chapter 3, verses 10 through 17. Follow along as I read. 2 Timothy, chapter 3, verse 10 through 17 says these words. You, however, Paul speaking to Timothy, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings. What kind of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, the persecutions I endured? Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evildoers and imposters go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you... Continue in what you've learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. 
So Paul is writing to his protege. He's writing to who is now a pastor of a church, the most important or one of the most important congregations in the early uh, church in, the, in this part of um, you know, uh, the Middle East and Turkey that where Paul started these churches in Ephesus. So Timothy is now taking on a significant role and he's writing to his mentor or a mentee from prison Paul's second time in prison and trying to write to him and encourage him to restore his confidence, to build up his confidence in what was a very difficult, challenging time in his life, that is Timothy's life, and even in his young ministry. And and, and even, even if all I read was these verses, you'd get more of this if you read the whole book, but you get a sense of that. Paul's talking about persecutions and suffering, right? He's saying, listen, this is a difficult time. And then he makes this broad statement that yes, he's speaking to Timothy, but of course he's speaking to everyone, right? Let me just make a statement here, Timothy, before you decide that things weren't supposed to be this difficult and this is harder than what I signed up for and maybe I'm doing the wrong thing. Maybe I'm going down the wrong road because there's so many, ro- there's so many rocks in the road, there's so many difficulties. Listen, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, that's the assumption of this whole series, right? Do you want to, as that video said, do you want to go deeper? Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus is going to experience some hard times, okay? That's what he wants to say. So Timothy understood that, but he's trying to encourage him. Not to say the good times are gonna go away, but how you can live in the good times. And in these verses that we read, he wants to say three important things about how God's truth comes into our lives, you might say, how God speaks to us so that Timothy can hear what God has to say. Same for you, same for me. So how does God speak to us? You might say in all times, but maybe in difficult times in particular. First thing is, he speaks to us in the pain of our lives, right? In the pain of our lives. The, the verse 11 is a, is a shorthand Right? He mentions three geographies. Antioch, Iconium, Lystra means nothing to us. But if you read the book of Acts, and if you were familiar with the journeys of the book of Acts, the history of the early church, there's these things called missionary journeys. They make up the entire book of Acts where Paul and his companions travel around first, let's say, Palestine and then into Central Asia, what we call Asia Minor, and then all the way into Europe, the sort of known world. And and we see the church grow in the first missionary journey. Takes up two chapters in Acts 13 and 14. Happens in these three cities. So this is a shorthand. Antioch, Iconium, Lystra. But he can be shorthanded with Timothy because Timothy... Um, was a traveling companion of Paul. In fact, Lystra, the last town mentioned there, is Timothy's hometown. We learn that in Acts chapter 16. So he's saying, listen, Timothy, let me just bring back to memory what you already know. Now let me just give you the first missionary journey in a nutshell. Paul and his traveling companions first go to Antioch, Acts 13. By the end of Acts chapter 13, literally, this is a, this is a tight paraphrase, they run them out on a rail, right? The, 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 the town leaders come together, those who are opposing the preaching of the gospel, and they literally run them out of town, right? Acts 13. Then they go to a town called Iconium next door. 
And while they're there doing the same thing, preaching, starting churches, starting the, sharing the gospel, it says they learned of a plot Paul and Barnabas, they were the two leaders, you know, the, the two quarterbacks in this first missionary journey. And he said, they learned of a plot to kill them. Not just to, you know, say something bad with them on Twitter or something, but literally a plot to take their lives. And they say, we got to get out of here. And then they go to the next town, Lystra, Lystra, I should say, where they met Timothy. And there, at the end of the first missionary journey, if you wonder, is, is the Christian life supposed to be difficult? Anyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus shall have a, you know, martini at the pool. No, that's not what it says, right? Shall be persecuted. Shall have difficult times. Well, guess what they did to Paul at the end of Acts chapter um, 14? They stoned him, okay? They stoned him, which is an ancient way of experiencing kind of a capital punishment or mob rule. They stoned him. But, he says, Timothy knew that, that's why it's shorthanded. But the Lord rescued me from this, Timothy. This is my point. Of course, hard times are going to come. But the Lord rescued me. Listen, all of us, and there's not many times I can say this as a pastor, but I can say it now. All of us in this room, all of us uh, in living rooms around this town, um, have experienced some kind of loss in the last hundred days. Now, some, some is more, uh, you know, uh, superficial than others. Some of it's serious. Some students in this room, it's going to get more serious coming another uh, three or four or five weeks from now, whenever school starts, maybe two, <laughs> I don't remember. But anyway, uh, it's, it's, we're all experiencing some kind of loss. Some of us in this congregation, though, have experienced significant loss in the last hundred days. And this movie's not over yet. And what are you saying? Well, you're saying, Pastor, does that mean it's persecution? I'm not saying that the loss that I'm experiencing, the loss that you're experiencing, is first century persecution. That's not what I'm saying. No one's getting stoned in this room. But what I am saying is, it's hard times, it's difficult times, it's painful times, and it's an opportunity. It's, it's hard times, and in those times, we have an opportunity to hear what God has to say to us, right? Not all hard times are persecution, but you are experiencing hard times. I am experiencing hard times, and the question is, are we have to, do we have to hear what it is that God wants to say, right? Do we have ears to hear it? Paul's uh, a letter to the uh, First Corinthians, Second Corinthians. He's going to talk about this same situation to this congregation, to the congregation in Corinth. Same, um, speaking of the first missionary journey, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia, Asia Minor, Antioch, Iaconium, Lystra. We were under great pressure from beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but rely on God. You see, Paul was perhaps different than some of us. He was a guy who said, listen, you know, uh, bring it on. I can handle it. I've been through tough times. Bring it on. But he even got to a place where he said, I can't take it anymore. We despaired of our lives. We thought, this is a Bible way of saying, we thought we were going to die. Okay? When you're standing in a, uh, on a field and people are picking up stones in this environment and you, you say, this is the end, right? We despaired of our life, but he said, we learned something there. A very important, I heard God say something. Listen, 
you're not supposed to rely on yourselves, but to rely on me, same God who raises the dead, right? More often than not, what's keeping many of us from hearing from God is our own self-reliance, right? We say to ourselves, listen, you know, uh, others have had it worse than I've had it, you know, and um, uh, I, I can, uh, I don't really need much. I can get by. Or, you know, I've weathered difficult things and more difficult things like this in my life. Okay, go ahead and, and, and white-knuckle your way through. Go ahead and buck it up. But in, as you white-knuckle your way through, as you buck it up, as you rely on yourself, you're saying no thank you to the power of God. You're saying no thank you to what it is that God wants to say to you. Well, what does God want to say to me? Trust me. Rely on me. Right? I love you. C.S. Lewis, you know you've heard this quote, many of you have, from his book on the problem of pain. God, you know, he whispers to us in our pleasures, but he shouts to us in our pain. Now, why is that? I don't think Lewis is saying God turns the volume up of his voice when we're in a painful time, when we're in a difficult time, when we're being persecuted. I don't think God changes his volume. He's saying we're better hearers when the pain happens. And what God wants to say in those times is, listen, I love you, I'm here for you, and most importantly, perhaps, make me the Lord of your life, right? Stop relying on yourself because you cannot live the Christian life on your own strength, on your own wisdom, on your own smarts. That's what Paul's saying. So the first thing, the way we hear from God, is in the pain of our lives. Second thing this passage tells us, we hear God with the people that we know and the people that know us. The central emphasis, if you were to read these verses again, you might say is in, 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 in verse 14, as far as you know, what he's challenging to do. He's saying, listen, people are making different choices in this difficult season, Timothy. But as for you, Continue in what you have learned and become more convinced of what you know. This is not a time for novelty. This is not a time to relax your commitments. This is not a time for, you know, sort of a long snow day. That's what he's saying. That's what other people might say when persecution happens, when difficulty time happens. But what I'm saying to you is, I don't want you to relax your efforts. I want you to redouble your efforts, right? And be more convinced of what you know and, by the way, who you've learned it from. I, some people have suggested this. In, in recent months, that the coronavirus is going to have a particular, um, uh, it's going to divide Christians, church-going folk, in one of two ways. It's going gonna, it's gonna to force you to make one of two kinds of changes. Either those of us, we're sort of coming back a little bit now in very restricted ways, but those of us in the last hundred days are going to make a, one of two decisions. Either we're going to use this as an opportunity to deepen our faith, to go deeper, to, to have greater roots, find greater tap roots in our faith, to own our faith, right? Because some of the, the, the you know, the, the facilitators, you know, the, some of the people who are facilitating your faith are not as available to you. So now it's a time to own your faith and to have a deeper ownership of your faith or, that's one option, which is what Paul's encouraging here, continue in what you've learned, become more convinced in what you know, or the other people just sort of, you know, kind of check out. 
It's a long-term snow day. And what these writers are saying is saying, this is what happens. The latter group, what they're, what they're revealing in that decision is they have essentially been a consumeristic Christian. We live in a consumeristic culture, right? You know, when Netflix goes down, I don't watch, you know? And when people all of a sudden can't gather in ways, what it's revealing is your Sunday experience in the past, whoever I'm talking to, that was your spiritual life plan. That was your spiritual nurture. And that was never designed to be your spiritual nurture. I'd say in the best of times, an hour on Sunday is the icing on the cake, right? But it's what you do, it's what I do. And that's what Timothy is saying here. And the people in your life, who is in your life that's part of your network that's helping you, that's helping me? It's what Paul's saying to Timothy. Listen, I want you to become more convinced of what you know and remember those who you learned it from. One of the greatest lies that you and I believe and people of faith have believed for 2,000 years, okay, it's just being tested now, is that you can actually grow as a Christian on your own. I don't need the church. The church gets it wrong. I don't, they're, they're fuddy-duddy and the people in my small group are weird and I don't really like that. I don't need that. See, that is what people tell themselves all the more. Now, it's like, you know what? I kind of like this no church thing because I don't really need it because I can do it on my own. Me and my Bible, a pen and a pencil in the kitchen table. Tell yourself that, but the the countless people who've made that self-sermon, who've given themselves that sermon for thousands of years have ended up on the side of the road in their faith in Jesus Christ because that's not how you do it. See? And Paul, the Apostle Paul knew Timothy pretty well, right? He knew him very well. And look what he says, chapter 1, verse 5. Well, let's, see, let's go to the next one. Second Timothy 1, 5 says this. I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and then in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now also lives in you. See, Paul says, listen, I know you. I know who you are, Timothy, and, and, and there were people in your, you did not get where you are on your own, and you are not going to progress as a Christian on your own, right? That's what he's trying to say. I got a call from uh, uh, someone this week. And this person, I don't hear from them often, but often enough that they're in my phone, so I, you know, I, their name comes up. And, and they usually, when they do call me, uh, rarely it's for one of two purposes, almost always. One is to ask me a serious question about you know, the church. You know, why are we doing this, or why are we not doing this? You know, good, I really want to know. That's one reason. Or they're calling to... Um, lovingly encourage their pastor. And I mean that, and, and I would say this particular friend, I'd call him um, a chapter and verse kind of guy, okay? So usually when he calls, not just, he's not just saying, you know, um, giving me some sort of personal advice. He's saying, listen, I want to share something with you, and it's from the word of God. So he called me, I took the call, and we talked, his, he started with his first question, which was sort of a regathering thing. So we, we talked through that. And then he said, um, okay. And then he said, um, how are you doing, pastor? How are you doing? And I said, answered him, thank you, blah, blah, blah. 
And he said, okay. He, he received that. And he said, I have a word for you. And I said, what is it? And it was, almost a, it was almost an exact paraphrase of what Paul says to Timothy in the second chapter. We didn't look at the verse. And he said, listen, the church needs you to right now to be a good soldier for Jesus Christ. So that's my message for you. The church needs you right now in this season that we're going through to be a good soldier for Jesus Christ. And then I said, okay. And he, then he said this, let us pray. And then he prayed for me, right? And then in Jesus' name, amen. And that was the end of the call, okay? My, my, my guess is that every person in this room and listening to me, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, you could bring to mind right now people in your life who, um, who played a significant role in your understanding of the scriptures, right? I mean, there's someone in your life, some ones, maybe it was Lois and Eunice, your mother, your grandmother, that wasn't the case for many of us. Maybe it was, it was, it was a youth leader if you grew up in the church. Somebody's, right, man or woman, played a role in your life that helped you truly understand the scriptures, right? Helped you really go a little bit deeper, right? You know, to, to, be, to rebuke, to correct, to train who are the chapter and verse person in your life. But my question is, one, who is that person? Thank God for them. Do you have those people in your life today? See, that's what Timothy's saying, or that's what Paul's saying to Timothy. Listen, Timothy, continue in what you've learned. Keep steady ship ahead. Be a good soldier for Jesus Christ. Keep your head in all situations. Don't be thrown off by this hard times. Don't be thrown off by this persecution. Don't be a complainer. Don't blame governor this and and so and so that. That's a waste of your time. Keep your head in all situations. Keep the main thing the main thing. And remember those from whom you learned it. Because God doesn't simply drop truth down from the sky Like, you know, he communicates it often through other people. Rebuking, correcting, and straining in righteousness, right? Who are the chapter and verse people in a manner of speaking? I mean that in the best way. In your life. In my life. God speaks through the pain in our lives. God speaks through the people that we know. Okay? The people. I know I'm I'm looking at the Wong family. And, you know, you guys might think your parents are, you know, fuddy-duddy and, and, uh, and over. But you know what? They love you. They love you. And I was saying this earlier. We were praying with the elders. I'm not so sure one of the great tests of this coronavirus, I'm talking now just to Browncroft Community Church family, is this is a test. We're going to say this to our children, Eisenhart family, other families in this room. We're, this is a test for us to say, what is our faith really about? How we respond to this challenge work, home, church, clothes, all these different things, is going to be a sermon to our children, okay? It's going to be a sermon to our children. It's the people that you know. Who are those people in your life? Because that's how God gets his word to you, just like God's giving it to Timothy. And lastly, God speaks to us through the power of his word, of course. This is the, you know, these two verses are, you know, among the handful of most important verses in the New Testament, verse 16 and 17. All scripture is from God, is God-breathed and used for teaching. And this is, this is often used, as in our case, I think, Browncroft Community Church, in our doctrinal statement, 
It's right up there at the top on our, on our, our doctrinal um, statement about the authority of Scripture, right? That the Bible is fully true and completely and totally reliable. This is a verse, this is a proof text for it, it has been for 2,000 years. There's different words for that, but this is, but this is what I mean. And I want, you, I want you to hear from me this morning. Pastor, do you believe in the full truth of the Bible, all scripture, Genesis to Revelation, and in its complete reliability? Absolutely, I do. I, speak, I can speak for our elders. It's in our, our bylaws. It's in our, our, I mean our, our um, articles of faith. But that's not the main thrust of this passage. That's sort of the assumption. And then out of that assumption, what he's saying is the authority of scripture really means the authority of God that comes into your life through the scripture. That's what it means. Listen, there are many people, if this Bible is true cover to cover and it's reliable, if we can just take for, you'll agree with me in the moment, that being the case, that doesn't change the majority of the lives of the people in this community, right? The fact that this is true cover to cover and it's God's word it doesn't change the overwhelming majority of the lives of the people in this community and it doesn't necessarily change your life as a follower of Jesus Christ. So it's wonderful, it's an assumption, it has to be there, it's, it's point one. But the other truth that's here, that's much more practical, is it, how do I experience the power or authority of God through the scriptures? Oh, well, that's a whole other matter. That's the whole point of the passage. All scripture is God-breathed. No question he's referencing he's going back to Genesis 1 whether we don't know exactly how it all happened but the point is when man and woman were created according to their Genesis account whatever actually happened the image is the breathing it's like a it's like a mouth-to-mouth resuscitation it's that kind of image that got some life force from God came into these inanimate um, matter called men and women and they came to life okay it's not a, it's not about propositional truth it's about a life force that's what it means to be a christian that's what it means to be rooted it's to have a life force come through and what he's saying is all scripture is god breathed he's using this image to make a point genesis 1 2 and 3 all scripture is god breathed and is useful it's useful right this is god this has to go beyond the articles of faith and get into your life it's useful for let's a couple quick things teaching That implies there are things that you don't know about yourself, about God last week's sermon, and about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. You need to be learning, 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 right? Are you learning? And are you learning more and more about God through his revealed word? Or do you have teachers, not just me, okay? But then number two, uh, 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 rebuke and correction, rebuke there's only a few things said in here he's not saying that because every once in a while you need a little tinkering right he's saying listen this is central to what it means to grow there's another famous verse for uh, hebrews 4 many of you know it the word of god is sharper than a two-edged sword to divide soul and spirit and joints and marrow and the the thoughts and the intents of the human heart in other words it's surgery the bible if you if you think if you grew up or i grew up and think the bible is about moral teaching you've completely missed it Oh my goodness, many of the men and the women in this, in this book are, are cowboys and they're wild people. They're with all kinds of problems. This isn't about moral teaching. This is about spiritual surgery from the inside out that ultimately brings you or brings me to a place of recreation. I'm a new creation in Jesus. I'm not a, you know, makeover. I'm a new creation. 
And what I need is, I need people in my life with the power and the truth of God who say, listen, pastor, you need to be a good soldier for Jesus Christ right now. You need to love your wife right now. You need to cut this crap out of your life right now. You need to get into the word of God and get serious. And this isn't a time to relax. It's a time to redouble your efforts. You got people in your life that are telling you that? And are they directing you to this word? And ultimately, the last thing it says is this. So that, or excuse me, I'm sorry, correcting, and training in righteousness. What does that mean? Training in righteousness. These are Bible words. He's saying, listen, teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. saying, listen, things need to take place on the inside with the word of God, the authority of God experienced through scripture that helps you live a new kind of life. Training in, the word righteousness in the Bible almost always is a practical word. It's not this highfalutin word that means abstract theology. It means how do you treat your wife, righteousness. How do you live your life in your neighborhood? How do you exercise your life in response to the teachings of God? It's a, it's a right way of living. Think of it that way. I need training in righteousness. But listen carefully. It's not moral teaching. As you, I just got done saying, it's the word of God coming in doing spiritual surgery from the inside out. I'm a new creation in Christ. I'm being rooted. Who am I being rooted in? This is a metaphor. In the life of Jesus Christ. When I was in, um, between high school and college, I was in a, in a car accident. I may have told this story before. I actually got hit by a car. Okay? We all have great stories. Mike, Mike Miller's laughing. You've been hit by a car, Mike? No. I actually got hit by a car. Okay? And I lived to tell the tale. But when, in the result of that was I had the only major surgery I've ever had in my life that I could think of on my right leg. And got a scar to show it. Want to see it? No. But I have a scar to show it. But anyway, um, in, after it was all said and done, I had a cast that was all the way up to my hip. And it was for a season of months. And it was, you know, typical. You've seen this uncomfortable. But the point of this story is when I finally got it off, fortunately they said to me, you will walk again, but it's going to take some time. But when I got that cast off, then I had this, you know, you had to learn how to walk. You've seen this on TV or some of you have done this. But let me tell you, when you first do that, the very first PT, it's an amazing experience and scary as heck because all of a sudden you realize you got to start all over again. It's like someone loses their memory kind of thing. You realize, wow, what I thought was instinctive and was a piece of cake and I, I don't even think about it. All of us are going to walk out of this room in two minutes and we don't, we, don't, we don't have to think about it. But all of a sudden, John, you've probably seen this a lot in your work, I'm learning something all over again, right? That's what training in righteousness means. It's learning how to live a whole different kind of life, right? God's not doing a makeover. It's a recreation. You have to be plucked up in a manner speaking out of the things of this world and you need to be replanted or rooted into a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's a new creation. And then the primary way you're gonna hear from God Right? Yes, it's through the pain. We'll hear more about that next week, John and Mile, right? A little bit more about that. That, 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 that. That's like, that's just a megaphone. And God wants to say, I'm with you in this. Don't think that, don't think that suffering is judgment against you. That means you, that shows me you don't know your Bible very well. Paul says, listen, where'd you get that theology? Anyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus absolutely will have hard times in their life. He says, look at me. I'm the 13th apostle and my life has been, a, has been, you know, one bullet after another in a manner of speaking. But it's helped me rely on God 
right? God wants to speak to us through our pain. God wants to speak to us through the other people in our lives. This is not a time to relax your commitment, friends. Do not buy that lie. You'll end up being a statistic. A year from now, you'll say, I, you know, Christianity, I don't know, it's, it's not that important and I don't even need it, you know? It's, it's, ice, it's, it's you know, it's a, it's a lifestyle. It's not a lifestyle. It's a, it's a whole different life. And you need people in your life. Who are those people? That can, who, are your te- who are your chapter and verse people? And then ultimately, we need to experience the power of God. Hear God, I'm sorry, hear him speak through the power in his word. Rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness. N.T. Wright, final quote, great New Testament scholar, but sums up this message. In reading and studying the scripture, we develop the moral muscle to live in accordance with the gospel of Jesus, watch this, even when everything seems to be pulling us the other way, right? That's the whole point. If you read all of 1 Timothy 3, right? He says, listen, Timothy, mark, mark my words. In the last days, people are gonna be lovers of themselves more than lovers of God, lovers of money. They're gonna be going in the wrong direction. And if you untether yourself from the root of the tree of Jesus and the word of God, let me tell you something. You're, you're going to be going right there with them. You're going to be march step locking with them, going in the wrong direction. You need to redouble your efforts, not relax them. You need to ask yourself, what is God saying to you right now? Yes, you've lost something, but what's God saying? Right? What is He saying about your about what He wants to do in your life and where He wants to take you in the role that He plays in your life? Rely on. Not a, we've decided we're not going to rely on ourselves. We're going to rely on God who raises the dead, which is just a, a shorthand way of saying who's a pretty powerful person. If God can raise the dead, he can do something great in your life. If you're willing to humble yourself in your pride and I don't need it and I'm not as bad as other people and the coronavirus isn't the end of the world, those are excuses, right? The, smart one, the smartest ones in, of us in this room are going to say, I'm going to hear what God has to say. I'm mad that I'm not going back to school. I'm, I'm frustrated that my job's been, you know, furloughed or limited. I miss my mom and my dad and my whatever the case may be. What is God saying to you? He's going to speak to you. And are you have other people in your life who, are, who can give you the word of God and tell you what you need, rebuking, correcting, training, and righteousness. So what can we do? A couple quick applications here. Number one, it's certainly the Bible, okay? You know, if you hear that too much from me, okay. But that's really what you need, guys. You need to be in the word of God every day. But hear me, it's not a check the box thing. It's not like take your vitamin. As if you're doing God a favor. Oh my goodness, you're not doing God a favor. God's trying to do you a favor. Rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness. He's trying to do spiritual surgery on your life. You need to open yourself up to it and get into it. If, you're not, if you don't have a Bible reading plan, if you're doing the flip it, get, wake up, snap out of it. You need to be in this every single day and do it and get it. Join us if you don't have a reading plan on our website, resources, 365, very simple. Now, if you're in a small group, this is not a season to relax your commitment. This is not a season to take the summer off or take the coronavirus season off. It's the opposite, Meet more, pray more, find one person in your small group who you can covenant with to be a chapter and verse person, if I can use that term. 
third and last, if you're not in a small group. That's kind of what this whole series is about in a manner of speaking. You need to get in one and that's what we're going to launch. It's an intensive rooted. And if you've never heard this before, keep paying attention. Listen to your email box. You're not supposed to know all of this now. But it's a small group experience. It's 10 weeks. It's intensive. It includes spiritual practices, spiritual disciplines, and experiences that you do in community with people who you know who can rebuke, encourage, and challenge, okay? And it starts the 17th of September. That's, that's tomorrow. But we're gonna, you know, so it's coming soon. You can register for that as soon as next Sunday, August 16th. But we'll be talking about it. Amen, amen? All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this message. We, we do long to hear from you, Lord, to know you. And uh, we love you. And, and Lord, we just come to you now as a congregation, both in this room and in our rooms at home. And Lord, we, we acknowledge our own um, pride, our own um, excuses, our own fears that keep us from a deeper engagement, from a deeper commitment to the life that is truly life, that is found in the person of Jesus, is found through the words of Jesus. And we just pray, Lord, that you would help us we, we want to hear from you today, God. Speak to us and speak through others to us that we might um, say yes more to the call to follow Jesus with all of our lives. And we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.